From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton, now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Hey everybody, how's it going? We have an amazing show. I'm really happy uh, to be here with you. We have four brilliant contestants. They are currently backstage wishing they would have accepted the Xanax that was offered to them by their coworker. <laughs> Soon they'll be up here playing some nerdy games, and one of them will be our big winner. And our special guest is the amazing John Cameron Mitchell, everybody. Yeah. John Cameron Mitchell wrote and starred in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yes. John Cameron Mitchell has appeared in Girls, Shrill. He directed an episode of Glow. Yeah, let's just take a minute to commend him for having his hands in every television show that has inspired a woman to down three glasses of Shiraz and get in a fight with her boyfriend. <laughs> I love this trend right now in television where the titles are all about reclaiming female-centered insults, like we've got Shrill, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Insecure... Stay tuned for my upcoming buddy comedy called Moody and Smile More. <laughs> Vocal Fry and Upspeak. <laughs> or the animated series Smoky Eyes and Like. <laughs> it's my favorite. I didn't know this, but John Cameron Mitchell was also the voice of Sydney, the animated kangaroo for the snack Dunkaroos. Yeah. Who, who here remembers Dunkaroos? Yeah. Yes, so if you don't know, there were this little package of cookies that you dunked in another little package of icing. Uh, they were discontinued in the U.S. in 2012 because they were terrible for children. <laughs> terrible. Uh, but yes, he was the voiceover for that. You know, I just wonder, we are all so nostalgic about snacks from the past. I wonder if the children of now will be nostalgic for snacks in the future, like in 2040, will the adults be like, do you remember those lentil crisps? Oh. <laughs> those were so delicious. Man, I went on eBay, I found some sriracha chickpeas for $45. We're gonna have them for the Super Bowl. Remember when we drank too much oat milk? Yeah, high five. <laughs> Uh, and later in the show, too, we have a game about children's television shows. I have a four-year-old, and his favorite show is Paw Patrol, which combines two things that children love, puppies and a police state. <laughs> Art imitates life, you they know? Like, they like order. They, they like order. They <laughs> You're talking about the puppies or the toddlers? <laughs> puppies love order. Toddlers yeah. love order. Yeah, they love yeah. it. All right, everybody, let's play some games. Our first two contestants will play a game about rhyming, which always makes me think of oranges. Uh, I am like an orange. Nothing rhymes with my name. I bruise easily, and I'm great after a soccer game. <laughs> first up, Hannah Corrigan, you are a performer and an expert bedazzler. Mm. Yeah? Expert, no. Um, truly a novice, just a... Enthusiast? Enthusiast. Okay. Yes. What are you bedazzling right now? Um, sunglasses. Sunglasses, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sunglasses, anything else? Um, I tried to do this, one of those umbrella hats. Oh, yeah. Um, and then there was so many fake jewels that it, it, the weight of it began to um, have so much more power than the small structure that was keeping it in place. Uh, it was non-functional. <laughs> Uh, and it was a, sun a, hat, a huge a waste of time. That's right. A heavy sun hat would be a problem. Hannah, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Your opponent is Leah Scrivener. You're a special education teacher, and you describe yourself as a nerd for paperwork. Yeah, I do. I, I like paperwork. Uh, why? What do you like about it? The satisfaction of getting it done, making lists, checking things off. Yeah. Do you like a spreadsheet? I love a spreadsheet. Who doesn't love a spreadsheet? <laughs> I, I love Excel. Yeah, yeah. I'm big on it. 
Do you put check boxes in your Excel spreadsheets? I don't, but I like making lists of things I've already done to oh, check them the off. the best, yeah. <laughs> Leah, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Hannah and Leah, whoever has more points after two games will go to the final round. This trivia game is called Rhyme Signature. Every answer is a musical term and a word that rhymes with it. For example, if we said, I was the hero of the party when I brought a gelatinous dessert shaped like a mid-sized string instrument, you would answer, Jello Cello. Ring in to answer, and here we go. Musicians who play drum, xylophone, or triangle are always in danger of accidentally hitting themselves in the head with mallets, and suffering this injury. Hannah. Um, Percussion, concussion. That's correct. (laughs) Although if they hit themselves in the head with their own instrument, are they musicians? Speaking for myself, yes. (laughs) Okay, good. Reading sheet music is easy, even if it's not in bass clef. The hard part is getting pelted with a tiny rock. Hannah. Treble pebble. Yeah, that's right. I love the idea of someone just throwing. That's their job in the orchestra. This is the rock thrower, yeah. (laughs) The rock thrower. Beethoven got the idea to gradually make Symphony No. 5 get louder and louder when he saw Mario bump into a mushroom and get big in a game made by this company. Leah. Nintendo Crescendo. Crescendo. There you go. That's right. Nintendo Crescendo. R X marks the spot, matey. Not for bars of gold, but for a bar of music. Leah. Measure treasure. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Puccini wrote a lesser-known operatic solo about his favorite apathetic MTV cartoon character. Hannah. Aria? Daria. That is correct, yes. Daria is a Beavis and Butthead uh, spinoff. In a recent interview, its co-creator revealed that its goal was to broaden MTV's demographic of viewers uh, because the network had, quote, no female viewers. (laughs) All Beavis and Buttheads in their audience. (laughs) That's it. It's a composition for an instrumental soloist or a mid-sized Hyundai, which you can drive to brunch, where you will order a crustless quiche. Leah. Sonata cantata. That's a good guess, but it's incorrect. Hannah, do you know the answer? The first one is a concerto, and the second one, a Hyundai. A Hyundai. It's a lantra, concerto, a lantra. <laughs> No, concerta. No, that's it. That was too much of an I'm answer. Gonna, I'm going to free you from this prison. <laughs> that is incorrect. I don't, it's New York. We don't have guns. <laughs> Leah knows the answer. It's too late. I can't give a you the violin, point, but what's the answer, Leah? A sonata frittata. Sonata frittata. Oh, my God. Why is there a Hyundai? It's a Hyundai sonata. Oh. <laughs> we gave you too many Ride clues the is the subway, problem. the subway, <laughs> It's good for the earth. The crustless quiche really held yeah, you guys yeah. up, too. You were like... <laughs> Frittatas are just like someone's dinner from the night before mixed with eggs. Uh, Thank you, Ophira. (laughs) Yes. All right, here's your next clue. Mr. Holland from Mr. Holland's Opus. All right, I'll I'll give you another clue. This maestro directs an orchestra by day and gives music lessons by night. Leah. Instructor, conductor. That is correct. That was a hard one. This is your last clue. It's time to bring this musical piece to an end. To celebrate, let's slam back a can of pop. Hannah. Coda Soda. Coda Soda is correct. Yeah. All right, great game. Hannah is in the lead. For our next game, we've uncovered late-night text messages from classic literary characters. Turns out Ebenezer Scrooge was a real horn dog. Okay, so this game is called Literature After Dark. Jonathan and I will depict famous fictional romances as flirty text exchanges, identify the title of each work, and the points are doubled. Hannah, stay in the lead, and you're in the final round. Leah, you need to get more points, or we'll add you to the Ask Me Another group text thread, and it is active. (laughs) 
Here we go. You up? It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a booty call. <laughs> Hannah. Jay Gatsby? Sorry, that is incorrect, yeah, Leah. Yeah. Do you know the answer? No. no. All right, we were looking for Pride and Prejudice. Okay. True, true. <laughs> Rich people still, though. Yes. Yeah, no, you were in the ballpark, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Esmeralda. I want to swing down on my rope and give you sanctuary bell emoji. Ah, quasi. Let's just be friends. <laughs> Hannah. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. That's correct. Yes. Want to come over? Your place? Nah, to Singapore, to meet my unbelievably wealthy family I never told you about. Crazy Rich Asians. Hannah, yes, that is correct. Kevin Kwan and Crazy Rich Agents. Uh, that's the text I'm still waiting for my husband to text me. <laughs> It'd be a nice surprise, wouldn't it? I know. Yeah. Yo, Ennis, Netflix and chill or herd sheep and grill? Cowboy emoji, cowboy emoji, heart eye emoji. Leah. Brokeback Mountain? Yeah, that's right. I wish I knew how to delete you. <laughs> <laughs> this is your last clue. Are you ghosting me, ham emoji? Get thee to a nunnery, Ophira. I meant Ophelia, autocorrect. <laughs> Hannah. Hamlet. That is correct. After two games, Hannah is going to the final round. Coming up, John Cameron Mitchell is here. He created and starred in Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which is, just so you know, not about the owl from Harry Potter. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Did you know that Discover matches all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year? Plus, it's automatic. And there's no limit to how much you can earn or how much they'll match. Millions of people a year are getting their cash back matched, like rain falling from the sky. Cash back match, only from Discover. Learn more at discover.com match. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Third Love. Third Love designs their bras using the measurements of millions of women to provide all-day comfort and support. With over 80 sizes and their perfect fit promise, you have 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. If you don't love it, return it. And Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Third Love believes that everybody deserves the perfect fit, so go to thirdlove.com another to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your purchase. What does it take to start something from nothing? And what does it take to actually build it? I'm Guy Raz. Every week on How I Built This, I speak with founders behind some of the most inspiring companies in the world. How I Built This from NPR. Listen and share with your friends. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. It's time to welcome our special guest. He's the creator, writer, and star of the cult classic film and Broadway show, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. And his new musical podcast is called Anthem Homunculus. Please welcome John Cameron Mitchell. Welcome to Ask Me Another. Thank you. Thank it's you so much for joining years us. years since I've been here. Five years. God. Yeah. How do I look? You look great. You look fantastic. Thank you. I, I have to tell you, I saw Hedwig in every iteration on Broadway. Because you every had Hedwig? every single guest star that you had. Wow. Every single one. You, of course, were the best. Of course. <laughs> but Neil Patrick Harris, 
Andrew Rannells, Michael C. Hall, Tay Diggs, Darren Chris. Uh, you debuted Hedwig Off-Broadway in 1998. Yeah. Then the movie version came out in 2001. Yes. We're approaching our 20-year anniversary. And then 2015, it goes to Broadway. I know. Late. And... <laughs> that was the only time I made any money, was Broadway. The film didn't make any money? No, it was a flop on screen, and then people found it on DVD, which means no money for me. Mm. You know, those companies hide their bookkeeping. Right, it's Broadway so Broadway is back transparent. End. You know how many tickets, you know where it's going. It's like... The record industry used to be like that. Right. Does Hedwig the Broadway show tour on its own? There was a national tour, um, but there's also local productions. Like, it's been running in Korea for 12, 13 years. It's been running in Japan for a long time. We just got an offer from, from China, uh, a huge uh, advance uh, from an unknown person who's never made theater before, you know, and... Uh, but it, you know, it is about someone who changes their gender to escape communism. <laughs> it's just interesting because I think these themes that were, you know, you were writing about and putting on stage in 1998, I feel like anyone watching that right now will go, wow, this feels very new and fresh and timely. And I'm wondering if you were getting new fans who are just yeah. discovering it now. We do get young people every, you know, every generation, which I love. You know, we were too weird to be up for an Oscar or, or even make money you know, at, at that time. <laughs> um, I, we always try to do something new, which means no money. But it also, the people who like it care about it more. Right. You know, it's the old thing of like, I'm, I'd rather be 10 people's favorite thing of all time that changes their life than a million people's <laughs> thing. Yeah. You know, that made a lot of money. So, yeah, you know. So, it, it's really cool when, you know, a new generation finds it. Also, we made it in a way that you don't really know when it was made because visually it's, you know, it could be any time, which I like also. Yeah. So, it keeps giving back in many ways um, that are not monetary, but uh, super... <laughs> But more valuable. You yeah. know, I've, some of the best people I've ever met in my life are, are because of it, you know. So you have a new podcast called Anthem Homunculus. Now, you said the idea started as potentially a sequel to Hedwig. Yes. And I, then I, I had some ideas about, I wanted to explore death and God and all these things. And I thought, you know, I have this voice of Hedwig. And, but she was too complicated and a lot of the story was autobiographical, so it was too many, too much information. So I got rid of Hedvig and made my character uh, a version of myself. I imagined what I would be like if I never left my small town. What would I be like now? I would be some kind of a dangerous liberal shut-in, you know, living in a trailer, uh, bitter, angry, paranoid, and out of insurance, and he has a brain tumor, and he is crowdfunding for his brain tumor um, on an app. You know, he's found a telethon app, so he's gonna stay online till he gets the money or till he dies. It's like a live telethon, it's like content. It's a live content audio telethon. of uh, crowdsourcing, yeah. Yeah, so he uh, tells his life story while he's waiting for the $100,000 that he doesn't have much of a chance of getting, and Glenn Close plays my mom, Patty Lupone plays a version of my aunt who was a super cool nun. Cynthia Revo plays my uh, I mean, amaz my wife. amazing people that you were doing yeah. this podcast with. Yeah. Amazing. It's almost like cinema, uh, audio cinema. It's, it's dense, 40 actors, 30 songs. When you approach Patty Lapone, Glenn Close, uh, I mean, were they all like, yep, whatever you say? Yeah, because they were big Hedvig fans and... Uh, when we did Hedvig, it was an interesting mix of people who didn't usually like musicals or, you know, who would come, like a lot of music people, you know, there'd be like David Bowie and Lou Reed and Marilyn Manson and Barry Manilow and Gallagher, you know, and <laughs> Gallagher loved it. Um, Pelopone just was in tears, B. Arthur, you know, like the Broadway, you know, battle axes would come and yeah. love it. And they're like, Hedvig is me. And Glenn Close uh, came 10 times. Um, 
And I read that you wrote the first draft of this at the estate of William S. Burroughs? Yeah, I wrote it at William Burroughs' house in Lawrence, Kansas. I lived near there, but never could get to Lawrence, which was the cool town, you know, in Kansas. So on, on my way to my 35th uh, high school reunion, I knocked on William Burroughs' door, and the caretaker, you know, because he had passed, uh, was like, what? And I said, I'm writing a musical that might take place on this porch. He's like, okay, that's a new one. Come on in. <laughs> um, and then met Burroughs' partner, James Grauerholtz, who invited Brian Weller, my composer, and I to write the first draft. So he, Brian wrote the music in the living room, and I was in the garden writing the script. It was so cool. Yeah. You also star in Shrill on Hulu. I'm just a co-star. I, okay, you co-star in Shrill on Hulu. Uh, you play the hard-nosed editor, the boss at the Alt Weekly. Yeah. Uh, you, play, you actually play kind of like horrible bosses a lot. I do. Yeah, that's like, you, yeah. and you like doing it. I get paid for doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it used to be that the greatest British actors, you know, who would play Hamlet and such, uh, the best they could hope for in Hollywood was to play a Bond villain. Right. And that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Bond villain. Uh, I read in a BuzzFeed interview, you referred to these characters as Worst gay nightmares. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of gay nightmares in my life uh, <laughs> that I have tried to avoid and, you know, and now I'm playing them all. <laughs> all right. John, are you ready for your Ask Me Another Challenge? Yes. Fantastic. Let's bring Jonathan Colton back on stage. So, in the music of Hedvig and the Angry Inch, it's easy to hear the influence of glam, uh, pop, and punk rock music from the 70s. So, now we're going to play a game called We're Going to Make You Sing Now. Jonathan and I will read lyrics from an influential 1970s hit. And we're going to stop right before the part where the song's title is heard in the lyrics. And you're just going to come in and give us the song's title. Is it in the original key? <laughs> <laughs> You could, you could do it however you want. It's in a key of your choosing. Yeah, that's right. And if you do well enough, listener Michael Naughty from Anchorage, Alaska will win and ask me another Rubik's Cube. All right, here you go. You ready? I'm going to find you. I'm going to get you, get you, get you, get you, get you. One way or another. Yeah, that's right. It's so easy. It's so easy. Hello, Daddy. Hello, Mom. I'm your... Cherry Bomb. Yeah. That's right. Runaways, runaways. Then the loud sound did seem to fade, aid, aid. Came back like a slow voice on a wave of phase, haze, a, a's. That weren't no DJ. That was hazy cosmic jive. There's a... I don't know. I should know this. It's okay. Ziggy Stardust, 1972. Is that helping you? But that's not lyrics from Ziggy Stardust, the song. Starman. Oh, from Starman. Yeah, Starman. Yeah. There's a Starman. There you go. <laughs> waiting in the sky. I did meet David Bowie once. He came to the show and to Hedvig, and thank God I didn't know he was there, but I met him later when he was rehearsing it my boyfriend worked at his rehearsal studio and uh, he kind of swiveled his lighthouse smile towards me and was like, John, you got it right. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? Yeah. Jeez. I'm not alive right now. Right. You know? <laughs> I mean, what do you even say to that? Just Nothing, like, thank I just you. walked thank away. It's <laughs> good. It's good. Well, you're slim and you're weak. You've got the teeth of the hydra upon you. You're dirty sweet, and you're my girl. Get it on. Bang a gong. Yeah. Yes, that's uh, correct. Bang a gong. T-Rex. I did, there's a T-Rex cover album coming out that I'm part of. Oh, really? Uh, with Marianne Faithful and U2 and everything. I'm doing a song called uh, Diamond Meadows. It's going to be really good. Oh, wow. T-Rex. T-Rex. Yeah. yeah, that was uh, from 1971, Electric Warrior. This is your last clue. Qu'est-ce que c'est? 
Fa 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 far better. Run 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 away. Oh oh. Psycho killer. Yeah, that's right. Casca say. Talking Heads, 1977. All right, congratulations, John Cameron Mitchell. You and listener Michael Naughty won Ask Me Another Rubik's Cubes. John will be back later in the show to play another game, but for now, give it up for John Cameron Mitchell. Want our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our next game involves music festivals, so pee now, because the lines later will be insane. <laughs> Let's meet our next two contestants. They're both visiting from California. Yeah. First up, Diana Hirota. You're an optometrist at UCLA. Now, I got to tell you, I've always found an eye exam very subjective. Right? Because you ask me, does this look better? Does that look better? I, I can just make it up, right? We, like that's... We actually call it a subjective refraction. So yes, it's very subjective. It's very subjective. Yeah. Yeah, I want more than that. I want you to tell me what looks better. Sometimes we are kind of tricking you, actually. How, so, how are you tricking me? I mean, sometimes we change the number, but it's the same two options. You do? <laughs> no, <I'm... laughs> you are sneaking. I knew it. I knew you did that. It is a pretty weird test, I gotta say. Uh, what are some things that you find out about the person while you're doing it? Ooh, some people are very indecisive and they say like, oh, just show me again. So I show them and then I have to show them actually 20 times before I'm like, okay, we're going to move on. And then we move on They're like, no, 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 but show me one again. <laughs> one was so much better. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. That was the wrong answer. <laughs> yeah. Are eye exercises helpful? Actually not. Okay. Just... It Sorry. <laughs> what about wishful thinking? I like, yeah, that works. <laughs> I like to say, um, you're getting more birthdays, and so this kind of just happens. Sorry. <laughs> and, then, and then you have a big warm smile, so I'm sure that that's how you all bring it together. That, okay. Diana, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Your opponent is Dan Predale. You're an assistant dean at an older adult learning program at a community college. Uh, so what is the average age of a student? At Our this average age is 73. Amazing. So these, these are people who have had illustrious careers, Nobel Prize winners, Holocaust survivors, and also recent immigrants who want to experience college. So we have the whole gamut. That's a, it sounds like it would be a wonderful place to work. Every day, are you close to tears? It's really rewarding, honestly. Yeah, yeah there's 6,000 older adults all spread out through South Orange County, and it's magnificent. I know, I know. <laughs> you're both helping people. Dan, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Remember, Diana and Dan, whoever has more points after two games will go to our final round. This is one of our favorite guessing games, this, that, or the other. We're going to give you a phrase. You're going to tell us which of three categories it belongs to. Jonathan, what are today's categories? Today's categories are music festivals, international children's TV shows, and 19th century British insults as found in the 1811 book Captain Gross's Dictionary of the Vulgar Tongue. <laughs> Ring into answer. Here we go. Bumper shoot. Dan. Festival. That is a music festival. Yes, it's a music festival in Seattle. Uh, it's based on the old-fashioned word for an umbrella. Ironically, we learned recently that in Seattle, real Seattleites do not use umbrellas. That's how you tell that you're... It's like eye contact in New York. <laughs> if you right. use it, we know you're not from here. That's right. <laughs> La La Loopsie. Dan. Insult. I'm sorry, that is incorrect, Diana. You can steal this one. You have two choices, either a children's TV show or a music festival. Children's TV show. Yeah, that's correct. This recent animated Netflix show was based on a popular line of children's rag dolls, because I had never heard this before, with names like Mittens Fluffin' Stuff, Cinder Slippers, mm -hmm. and Specs Reads a Lot. Don't think I care for that characterization very much. Hmm, which one listens to NPR? <laughs> Shabaroon. Diana. Insult. That is a 19th century British insult, yes. 
It refers to someone, uh, to a mean-spirited person or someone who is sloppily dressed, comparable to a ragamuffin. Shabaroon is basically a ragamuffin. Shabaroon sounds like something a cult chants right before they eat you alive. (laughs) (laughs) Shabaroon. Here's your next one. Bo Boy Boy. (laughs) Dan. Festival. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Diana, can you steal this one? TV show? Yeah, it's a children's TV show, that's right. (laughs) It's how I say boy after three Chardonnays. (laughs) (laughs) Pitchfork. Diana. Music festival. Yeah, that's Mm. a music festival in Chicago. Held by the music website Pitchfork. Chaw bacon. Diana. Insult. It absolutely is an insult. (laughs) That's basically like calling someone an uncultured yokel. According to Merriam-Webster, in the the 16th century, bacon was a food associated only with rural folks. Mm. So it's like you're a real bacon eater. (laughs) Aspiration. I know. (laughs) Clock and flap. Diana. Uh, Music festival. Yeah, that's right. Clock and Flap bills itself as Hong Kong's premier music festival. In 2008, it was headlined by Erica Badu, David Byrne, and Khalid. I'm sure they have t-shirts saying it clock and flappened. <laughs> right? Be a pics or it didn't clock and flappen. <laughs> this is your last clue. Lickspittle. Diana. Insult. That is correct. A suck-up. A brown noser. A sycophant. All right, congratulations. Great game. Diana is in the lead. If you think rhyming musical terms is more fun than attending a music festival, you should be on our show. Find out how to be a contestant at amatickets.org. Coming up, John Cameron Mitchell returns to play a game about futurism. I hope we finish before the singularity. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for NPR comes from Newman's Own Foundation, working to nourish the common good by donating all profits from Newman's Own food products to charitable organizations that seek to make the world a better place. More information is available at newmansownfoundation.org. This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp, the online counseling service dedicated to connecting you with a licensed counselor to help you overcome whatever stands in the way of your happiness. Fill out a questionnaire and get matched with a professional tailored to your needs. And if you aren't satisfied with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time free of charge. Visit BetterHelp.com ask to get 10% off your first month. Get the help you deserve with BetterHelp. Many of us have imaginary friends as children. But for some of us, these invisible companions don't go away. She was as real to me as my friend next to me. This week on Hidden Brain from NPR. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Before the break, we met our contestants, Diana and Dan. Soon they'll play a game about Prince, the only adult to have a favorite color and still be cool. (laughs) Let's check in with them. Diana, you play several instruments, one which is the taiko drums. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. Well, they are originally from Japan, and in Japan they make it actually out of single tree trunks that are about this big, nobody can, this is a radio show. (laughs) But basically, like, you know, you're putting your arms like you're hugging an actual tree. Yes, like you're hugging somebody. Um, So here in the U.S., they make it out of wine barrels. Oh, yeah. um, Because it's hard to get a tree that big. Um, And they're played with these really big dowels that look like you're going to kill someone (laughs) in a way. Yeah. Um, You're dancing around, you're hitting it, and so it's a really good workout, and it's a really good stress reliever. So after I have, like, a bad day of bad patients, it's just like, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and you, you play with a group? I do play with a community group with my husband. We actually oh. met in college playing those drums. Yeah, then we played it at our wedding as well. Yeah. Dorps. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, Dan, something you told us really made me laugh. Way back in 1994, you competed in the Port Orchard, Washington Seagull Calling competition. I did. And you did well. I won. You won. <laughs> yes. Uh, what are the tips to a good gull call? Well, for me, it was prepubescence. <laughs> <laughs> range. So you're saying it's all range. It's all range. <laughs> were there different categories, or were you just the flat-out winner? Yeah, no, there was best costume. There was how many... Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, how many birds can you attract just by throwing bread at them? You know, total quantity. Yeah. And then there was best-sounding call. Yeah. And that was the prize. That was the best category was, to win. Yeah, it's hard to believe the other ones didn't have prizes as well. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Your next game is a music parody called Purple Prince. Diana, stay in the lead, and you're in the final round. Dan, you need to get more points, or you're going to make some doves cry. <laughs> Thanks to Purple Rain, Prince is heavily associated with the color purple. So we rewrote other songs by the late great Prince and made them about other purple things. Ring in to answer, and if you're correct, you can earn a bonus point by identifying the original song. You ready? Okay, here we go. In the name of Fran Tarkenton, they're gonna root for this team. It's true they've never won the Super Bowl, but Midwest fans can dream. Fran Tarkenton, uh, Midwest team, purple. Diana. The Vikings? Minnesota Vikings is correct. For a bonus point, can you name the song? Nope. <laughs> that was 1999. Yeah. Mm. It was a big Prince hit. <laughs> that used to be about partying like the world was ending, but now it's about partying like it's the year our intern was born. <laughs> That's very weird. That's very weird. Here's your next one. You don't have to enjoy this exotic role. You can stick to the plain teriyaki bowl. The spiny echinoderm is not to everyone's taste. But if you like umami, you should add this. Paste. Dan. Beat. Uh, that is incorrect. Diana, do you know the answer? Let's see. Uh, some sort of paste. Uh, eggplant. <laughs> Another fine guess, but it's incorrect. We were looking for sea urchin or oh, uni. Oh, yes. Again, no bonus point, but that was kiss. Here's your next one. He had a wax colorful stick. The kind you buy in an art supply store. A wax colorful stick Almost bald, but he was only age four Children's book Children's book About this kid He would draw with this colorful wax stick <laughs> Diana Purple crayon Harold in the purple crayon, mm. that is correct Right For a bonus point, can you name the song? Still nope Okay <laughs> Raspberry Beret. Sorry. Don't know no, Prince. That's all right. Don't know Prince. Raspberry Beret. Yeah. Great hit. It's a great, a great hit. One of my favorites. Prince. One of the Although, Prince songs. If it was warm, she wouldn't wear much more. Technically, if you're really hot, the first thing you would take off would be a hat. Would be your hat. <laughs> so I always found that troubling. It's, it's, tr it's true. It wouldn't be very efficient to start by taking off your pants. <laughs> right. Take off the hat first. Take if off you, the hat first. Yeah, you, you feel. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> it feels like several hours and 15 days. I'm going to miss the Mets game, I guess. Got on at 34th for Flushing Queen. I thought this train was express. Dan. I'm from California. No, I know. This is so, an unfortunate clue for the both of you. Yeah. Sorry. You know, it's the, you take it uh, from 34th Street to Flushing, Queens. And just so you know. <laughs> How do you guys uh, not know this? The, I can't believe it. You know. 
Doesn't everybody in America know all of the subway trains in New York City? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go with purple. <laughs> Right? It is a purple thing, but I cannot just accept that because that is a, that is a given, unfortunately. Oh. Can you name a subway train, any subway train in New York City? Any subway train? Yeah. I can. I totally... Well, it's not your turn, <laughs> Diana. Hold on. I totally, F. I totally took one today. F is incorrect. Diana, can you name a subway train in New York There's City? There's an R. Also incorrect. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just read up. We were looking for the seven train is what we were oh. looking for. <laughs> See, that's how you know that we actually write the games before we cast the contestants. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there is no bonus point, but that was nothing compares to you. This is your last clue. Large and bulbous veg Under the leaves you lurk Lewd emoji veg I saw you in a text that wasn't safe for work Diana. Eggplant. Eggplant, you got it. For a bonus point, Diana, can you name the song? Sorry. Okay. It was Little Red Corvette. Great game. Congratulations, Diana. You are moving to our final round. The final round is coming up, but first it's time for another game with our special guest, John Cameron Mitchell. So I heard that you consider yourself a futurist. I do, actually. I invented Grindr. Uh, you did? In Short Bus in 2006, before iPhones, there was a, a GPS-oriented dating sex hookup app called Yenta that was... Yeah. Was, was more Jewish and uh, matchmakery and cute. Grindr feels very negative to me. Grindr. But I remember at the time I asked my lawyer... This is going to happen. She's like, you can't copyright an idea. You have to make it. I'm like, eh. I, I never think about it. I think about ideas that could make money, but I never follow through. Have you tried to patent any other ideas? No, but we have a, a telethon app in, in Anthem called, yeah. called Intelethon. That's so going to happen. Anybody wants to do a startup with me, <laughs> I just gave you the idea. <laughs> We were inspired by the theme of futurism to write a quiz called Future Imperfect. These questions are about real predictions of life in the 21st century. It's multiple choice, but if you want help, feel free to ask the audience to yell out what they think the answer is. Here we go. Arthur C. Clarke wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey. In 1964, he accurately predicted the advent of telecommuting remote surgery, and 3D printing, but also made some terribly bad predictions. Which of these is something Arthur C. Clarke thought would happen? A, the invention of a translation device for pets to find out how your cat really feels. B, the creation of beater flies, half bee, half butterflies, to make bees more approachable. Or C, humans would create super chimpanzees who would do our bidding until they wised up and formed trade unions. I would say the latter. See? Yeah. That is correct, yes. In 1975, Mary Kenneth Keller predicted that computers would be used for much more than data crunching. Which of the following is true about Keller? A, she was the first woman to receive a PhD in computer science. B, she helped develop the programming language called BASIC. C, she was a Roman Catholic nun and therefore closer to God. The last one, see? Correct. In fact, they are all true. Really? All of the above yeah. is the answer. Wow. I know. She was amazing. She basic. was so basic. She was, <laughs> she was so basic. <laughs> wow. In a 1950-associated press piece, what did AP editor Dorothy Rowe predict about the year 2000? A, all women will be built like Amazons because, quote, science will have perfected a balanced ration of vitamins, proteins, and minerals. B, the makeup industry will collapse because, quote, societal norms will shift to value inner beauty above all else. <laughs> or C, women will finally be able to have it all. The last is vague, but attractive. I would say C. 
C is vague and attractive, but she actually predicted A that all women will be built like Amazons because quote that's a very male gaze. I know, and she was right. She was maybe she was a was she lesbian and liked the Amazon look. It doesn't say on this piece of paper. Well, I'd like to find out. This is your last clue. According to an unfortunate 1966 essay in Time magazine, what future activity will never catch on? A, watching movies from home because, quote, nothing can replace the aroma of a crowded theater. (laughs) B, shopping from home because, quote, women like to get out of the house, handle the merchandise, and be able to change their minds. Or C, online dating because, quote, women like to get out of the house, handle the merchandise... (laughs) And be able to change their minds. <laughs> well, there was no online dating then, so they would have had to be some other model. So I would say then, I'd say B then. B, yeah, B is correct, yeah. yeah. He thought shopping from home would never work out. Because women like to get out of the house. Handle the merchandise. <laughs> so... You did great. John Cameron Mitchell is touring North America on the Origin of Love tour, the songs and stories of Hedvig, and stars in season two of Shrill on Hulu. Give it up for John Cameron Mitchell, everyone. It's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalist, Hannah Corrigan, who discovered it is physically impossible to bedazzle an umbrella hat. And Diana Hirota, who is a deceitful optometrist. (laughs) Hannah, Diana, your final round is called Make It a Double. Every answer begins with the word double. Our big winner will receive an Ask Me Another Ruby's Cube signed by John Cameron Mitchell. We rolled a 20-sided die backstage, and Diana is going first. Remember, every answer begins with double. Here we go. Diana, two jump ropes are used in this schoolyard activity, which is recognized as a varsity sport in New York public schools. Double Dutch. That is correct. Hannah, in fashion, this type of tape is used to secure strapless dresses. Double-sided tape. That is correct. Diana, on a standard Scrabble board, the center square with a star awards this bonus. Double points. I need you to be more specific. Double word score? That's correct, yes. Hannah, this inaccurate term describes someone who's hyper-flexible, like Demi Lovato, who can twist her arms more than 180 degrees. Double-jointed. That is correct. Jonathan Colton, how are our contestants doing? Well, it is a tie game so far. Diana, the Fifth Amendment says a person can't be prosecuted twice for the same crime, a concept also known as this. Double Jeopardy? That is correct. (laughs) Hannah, this spooky 1993 Olsen Twins movie takes its title from something the witches in Macbeth say. Double Trouble? Close. The answer is Double Double Toil and Trouble. Diana, this 2019 MTV dating show revival star Jersey Shore cast members Polly D and Vinny. Double Date? (laughs) Ting. Good guess. We were looking for a double shot at love. (laughs) Hannah, when you're 46 weeks back in your crush's Instagram, you might want to avoid using this smartphone shortcut to like a photo. Double tap. That is correct. All right, Jonathan Colton, we are halfway through. How are our contestants doing? Pretty well. It is a tie game. It's three to three. Diana, Pat Smear of the Foo Fighters and Don Felder of the Eagles famously wield a guitar with this feature. Double frets. Actually, we were looking for a double neck or double necked. Hannah, complete this lyric from Missy Elliott's Lose Control. Rump shaking both ways make you do a... Double take. That is correct. (laughs) Diana, in baseball, it's when two runners are thrown out, abbreviated in scoring as DP. Double play. That is correct. Hannah, also in baseball, it's when two games are played back-to-back on the same day with the same two teams. Doubleheader. That is correct. All right, only a few questions left. Jonathan, how are our contestants doing? Well, here's the situation. (laughs) Hannah has pulled in the lead. It's five to four. Diana, when Mick Jagger said, I can't get no satisfaction, he committed this grammar sin. 
Double negative. That is correct. Hannah, this 1986 Nickelodeon game show revived in 2018, often featured a trip to space camp as its grand prize. Double dare. That is correct. (laughs) All right, Jonathan, what's the situation? All right, you each have one question left. Diana, to stay in the game, you have to answer this question right, and Hannah has to miss her question. Diana, this blue and yellow twist-wrapped gum was part of U.S. military rations in World War II. Double bit gum. I'm sorry, the answer was double bubbled, which means Hannah is our big winner. (laughs) Diana, thank you so much. You were an awesome contender. And congratulations, Hannah. That's our show. Our podcast drops each Friday. Listen and subscribe. Ask Me Another's house musician is Jonathan Colton. Hey, my name anagrams to Thou Jolt Cannon. Our puzzles were written by Camilla Franklin, Sean Gole, Ruth Morrison, and senior writer Karen Laurie, with additional material by Kara Weinberger and Emily Winter. Our senior supervising producer is Rachel Neal. Ask Me Another's produced by Mike Katzev, Travis Larchuk, Kiara Powell, Nancy Seychow, Ramel Wood, and our intern, Natalie Hatayan, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Jay Russo, and Rachel Herman. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, The Bell House. Hot Heel Blues. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm her ripe begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Come meet us on Wednesday, February 19th for a live taping of Ask Me Another and get ready to get a little bonkers. We'll be joined by the joyfully weird electronic musician, Dan Deacon. You don't want to miss it. Info at amatickets.org. This is NPR. Next time on Ask Me Another, we're joined by the most fashionable of the Queer Eye Fab Five, Tan France. He chats about his book, Naturally Tan, and gives us a behind-the-scenes look at his new Netflix show, Next in Fashion. Plus, we challenge him to one of our nerdy games. So join me on NPR's Ask Me Another, the answer to life's funnier questions. (laughs) 